What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy, for a little late podcast. It is Saturday, uh, the 13th, April 13th. Shout out. We uh, just missed uh, my cousin Adele's birthday, my cousin Colleen's birthday, uh, my buddy Mike Scott's birthday. I feel like I'm in like birthday city right now. Uh, like, you know, that, that time of the year, everybody has like a, a week or two a year where it's like, shit, there's a lot of birthdays coming up, but that's where I kind of feel like I am right now, but pretty, uh, pretty busy week. So I'll come to you late with the podcast. Not a lot of draft talk this week. Uh, going to cover a couple different things, but, uh, yeah, this, uh, it's going to be a late podcast, a real quick one. So jump right into Jake news this week, the Lakers, it, it, it was a beautiful season from a Cavs point of view. You know, the Cavs fan base got to watch the Lakers spiral out of control after less than a year ago being told that they're going to the finals and everything. And and like, I hold no ill will towards LeBron. I, he came back to Cleveland and brought them a championship in the middle of what is one of the best dynasties ever in golden state. You know, we almost, we could have rolled over, lost four straight finals, and been the Buffalo Bills, and Cleveland would have just been continue to get shit on from a sports standpoint. But uh, you know, LeBron delivered one of the greatest championships in sports history to Cleveland, and I'm not saying that as a biased person. Down three one to the seventy three win Warriors, having to win games five and seven on the road, this was no easy task. And uh, the performances that him and Kyrie Irving put in were nothing short of spectacular. So uh, to to call it one of the best championships ever is not it is not a reach. So uh, I'll always appreciate LeBron and Kyrie and all fifteen guys and the coaching staff for that championship. But you know when he left for LA, I was like, um, I don't really want to see LA do well because. I don't think their fans really deserve like a big time winner. Uh, I don't think the, the the team he was putting together. I was like ashamed. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is worse than what he was putting together in Cleveland. It turns out, it is worse because this is one of the worst seasons in LeBron's career. He was hurt for a little bit, but just the pompousness and obnoxiousness that came out of L.A. last summer. And everyone was saying, okay, you know, LeBron's bringing it out west, you know, the east, bye-bye, this is a whole brand new show out here. And it's like, he's got Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee. He's got a team full of trolls. And, I mean, all those guys, they didn't really do anything this year that are worthy of, like, troll-like stuff, but their team was garbage. You know, Rondo was like sitting in like the fan section at times, like like he didn't want to be like sitting with the team, and it, they were a mess. And Magic Johnson, and this was the the thing that bothered me so much last summer was I was like, Magic Johnson hasn't done shit. He, you know, inherited a team with draft picks and took like the you know, I mean, Lonzo Ball wasn't a great pick, but like the picks before that. He took like the best possible player, and they've turned out to be pretty decent. And Kyle's Kuzma is a pretty good player, and they've they were better off before LeBron. They might as well just save the money and continue to build through the draft. But instead, I mean, they brought in the LeBron show, and LeBron miss like mixing with young guys is never gonna work. He's 
you need to develop a team completely around him, and they didn't do that. And the best part is Magic Johnson saying, we're not going to do what the Cavs did. We're not trying to be the Cavaliers. It's like, well, uh, you keep on recycling Cavs coaches and Mike Brown, Brian Shaw, and, uh, or not Brian Shaw, uh, Scott, Scott, uh, Coach Scott from the Nets um, and Cavs, Mike Brown, and Luke Walton, and now po- possibly Tyron Lue it might be going there. It's like, for a team that's trying not to be the Cavs, they're desperately trying to be the Cavs. So, it's just a mess there. And Rob Palinka, a.k.a. not Rob Lowe, uh, is, like, he's got his hands full, because they've got money, they're probably going to go sign some, you know, like DeMarcus Cousins or someone, but what happens when they miss the playoffs again, and it's like, alright, you're wasting LeBron's, end of LeBron's career, and LeBron definitely took a step back. I mean, he's not the best player in the world anymore. He's slowed down his explosiveness is just not there anymore and frankly Cavs fans are looking at this saying you know what not too bad that uh the Cavs got maybe the last good years of LeBron James and it turned into a championship four straight finals appearances and we appreciate that so uh I just wanted to lead with that because you know it's time to shit on the Lakers uh, people never miss a chance to shit on the Browns, shit on the Cavs, or anyone in Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing my part to make sure that L.A. gets theirs, too. And Magic Johnson stepped down. That's the big, that's why I'm bringing this up, is Magic Johnson stepped down, uh, and they fired Luke Walton. The team is a mess. Uh, they have zero direction. And Magic Johnson's excuse, by the way, it's one of the great, craziest quits of all time, because he didn't tell Jeannie Buss, the owner, and uh, he just said, you know what, I want out. Uh, he basically just told the media, like, I'm fucking gone. Because his, his excuse is, I want to be able to congratulate players when they do things like 2020. I'm like, that's such a lame excuse. Like, yes, you want to do that. But, like, how much of a, like, a bad GM slash president are you that, like, you're quitting because, and your excuse is, oh, I wanted to congratulate Russ on a good game. Like, God, you suck. Like, Laker fans, even though they're very spoiled and stuff, nobody deserves a, a president that is that, like, out of out of whack. You know, he wants to be so in touch with the players. It's like, you have a fucking job to do, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting worked up. I like that Magic Johnson quit. Go do whatever you want to do. Go, you know, talk to the media and talk to players and be a sideline guy. You want everyone to like you. You don't want anyone to hate you. I get it. But you know what? Like, this should be a lesson to any former player great that wants to just go back and be the team president. Like, like Larry Bird has done really well and like Magic Johnson has done really poorly. It takes fucking work to do that. It's not just a name and a face, okay? Uh... You see it from John Elway and John Lynch are doing that. They're like huge faces in the NFL from their time playing. But you know what? John Elway is saying, trust me on the quarterback thing, and he's missed constantly. And John Lynch has was given the biggest pat on the back when he first started. And look where that's got him. Absolutely nothing. He's drafted a bunch of front seven guys, and they don't have a good front seven. You know, they're constantly spending first-round picks on guys that are supposed to be wrecking the you know the offensive line, and they, they don't have a front seven. They don't have a good front seven. Now they're possibly going to be adding another top-five defensive end? Are you kidding me? 
it's just crazy. So where does people got to take a step back, you know, so quickly people want to say, oh, that's the greatest ever. Or that's the worst ever. That's the best ever. Or, this is like the biggest blunder ever. It's like sometimes you got to take a step back and, and, and let things settle for a second because people are really quick to name guys like Magic Johnson, John Elway and and all these, you know, quick wonderkins as like the next greats of their jobs. And it doesn't happen that quickly. And sometimes you got to take a step back and realize it's not exactly as good as it seems on the outside. Anyway, don't want to get too much into it. I'm not a Lakers podcast, so, uh, but I just, uh, I enjoyed that because, and I'll roll right into it. The Cavs finished the year 19 and 63, uh, tied for the second worst record in the NBA, only two wins more than the Knicks who had the worst record this year. Uh, objectively horrible, horrible record. But to be honest, this season wasn't all that unenjoyable. You know, expectations are a big part of it. Last year, the expectations for the Cavs were high, and it was a very frustrating season. They traded Kyrie. They had a bunch of, like, interesting, nice veteran side pieces that really didn't do well for them. Isaiah Thomas didn't play a whole lot, and then when he did play, he sucked, and they he was a problem on the team, and they traded him. Uh, it was a big blunder. And it seemed like all they got out of that was the number eight pick. But Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson turned out to be pretty decent role bench players, uh, even though they're getting paid over $10 million a year. And uh, George Hill, it didn't really fit. Uh, Crowder before him didn't really fit. Ante Zizic is a nice like role player, but it was like the, the whole thing was just a mess, and it was just watching LeBron in his final season. We all knew it, and it was like, you know what? We all know we shouldn't have traded Kyrie. Uh, I reasoned with it at the time because, frankly, I knew anytime a superstar wants out, he's going to get out, and it's all about you getting proper value in return. And unfortunately, you never get proper value for a superstar. So... It, 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 like, you know, all you could hope for is, well, hopefully Kyrie goes to Boston, doesn't win anything there, and leaves so that the Cavs can eventually win this trade. And frankly, if Kyrie leaves and the Boston Celtics don't win a championship, the Cavs do win this trade. Because in the two tra in two seasons since Kyrie has been, since the trade of Kyrie Irving to the Celtics, the Cavs have made the finals once. The Celtics made the Western or the Eastern Conference Finals, and we'll see what they do this year. But if Kyrie leaves, and all they got, and all the Celtics got was sending away the Brooklyn pick for two years of Kyrie, where the Cavs made it farther than they did, I gotta think the Cavs won that trade. So uh, that's why I'm rooting for this playoffs, the Pacers to beat the Celtics. Uh, I'm rooting for the Nets because I think they're a really fun team and I love the way that they're built. I know a couple of Nets fans. I think, uh, you know, they, they did a good job of taking on some contracts to make sure they get some young franchise players. And I love their wings. I like that they have a rotation of big men and D'Angelo Russell. I think they're going to kind of ruin it this offseason when they go out and try to get some big-time signings and they overpay, like, Boogie Cousins and Jimmy Butler. But I... Uh, uh, you know, I think it's really fun, and I'm I'm kind of sick of the Sixers fans that are like, okay, the process is over, like we're here. It's like you haven't done shit yet. 
You won one second round game last year. Your franchise player in Ben Simmons can't make a jump shot. Like like anything outside 10 feet, he can't make. And uh, Joel Embiid talks a lot of shit for somebody who's really only been a regular season good player for like three or four years and, and nothing more than that. Like, I like Joel Embiid's game. I think he's awesome. I think the uh, when the Cavs passed out on him, uh, I was like, yeah, this could be a big mistake. But, you know, he hasn't done shit yet. So, uh, but the Cavs, 1963, they're going to be, they, they won the coin flip for the second best odds, at, you know, the second worst record or whatever over the Suns, so that the worst the Cavs can pick is sixth. Now, this is a very strange draft because the lottery odds have changed this year, and uh, everyone's going to be very curious to see how this all plays out. Well, the odds significantly shifted from helping the worst teams to now making it more of a genuine lottery. Like, yes, the Cavs, the Suns, and the Knicks all have equal odds for the first overall pick and equal odds for a top four pick. They have a 52% chance of a top four pick. 42% chance the number one pick belongs to one of those guys. But there's a really good chance that the top four picks are teams that just missed the playoffs. Like the Wizards, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, and the Hawks could easily be the top four picks. And to me... I know that this is going to come off as biased because my team is bad again, but it just doesn't make sense to me that, like, you know, you have these teams that really, really suck at the bottom of the draft, and they could be drafting five, six, and seven in a league where it's not like the NFL, where if you draft fifth, you're getting a great player. Like, if you draft fifth in the NBA, you could be missing out on two franchise guys going one and two. And then, like, two potential all-stars at three and four. And then five could be a role player. Like, the NBA draft, it really matters to get those top picks. So, I'm really hoping the Cavs just get a top three pick. Uh, it, they have very good odds to get a top three pick. But I, I'm, I'm nervous because of these new lottery rules where they could end up with six. And I think if they get a sixth player in this draft, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, I like... It's Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and uh, Jarrett Culver are the three guys that I really like after the top three of John Morant, Zion Williamson, and R.J. Barrett. So, like, if they get one of the, like those second three guys, I'll be like, okay, you know, he's a good player. I, it, there are worse things in the world, but when you go 19 and 63, you don't want to be getting a, okay, he's a good player. You want to be getting Zion. You want to be getting... R.J. Barrett, or you want to be getting John Morant, and I think it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, I just, I just feel like it could lead to some heartbreak down the line, uh, if they don't get one of those top three guys, and I'm not a spoiled Cavs fan, you know, a lot of people might listen and say, oh, come on, Cavs, like, you got LeBron James, you got Kyrie Irving, and like, you had four straight finals appearances, and you always win the lottery, it's like, I get that. I understand. Uh, you know, like, a couple times they won the lottery, they should have. You know, they were the worst team in the league when they got LeBron. They were the worst team in the league when they got Kyrie, and they didn't even get Kyrie with their pick. They got Kyrie with the Clippers pick. 
You know, so they actually only got the fourth pick that year. But fortunately, the Clippers made a bad trade with them because they wanted to get Chris Paul and they needed to shed some cap room. So they kind of were lucky to Kyrie, but at the same time, they should have gotten Kyrie. They should have gotten LeBron, should have got Brad Darty. And uh, you know what? They were a little lucky to get Anthony Bennett. But you know what? They fucked that pick up because that draft and we talked about with my friends last night. Wasn't really a great draft. Okay. Nobody was going to pick Giannis number one because the guy shot up in the NBA. Um, but they could have taken Oladipo, could have taken Otto Porter. Uh, but they also could have taken Ben McLemore and Nerlens Noel and, and Anthony Bennett. And that's who they did take. And Anthony Bennett was a key piece in the trade to get Kevin Love. <laughs> a very key piece. So. I get it. I know that, and they won the you know lottery and they got Andrew Wiggins and they traded him for Kevin Love as well. And so I get it. The Cavs have lottery odds in their favor over the years, but this is a very bad team. They have 19 wins. They should be drafting like a top three team. I don't. I I don't get why the NBA just like chooses to do this. I understand you don't want to encourage tanking, but I mean teams. All, all the all, so many teams tanked this year. Like you don't think the Knicks tanked, even though you could discourage them by giving them the fifth pick. They st- they're still going to tank because you still want the best odds. So you might as well just go all in and not be like idiots about it. All right. Enough NBA. Watch the playoffs. Starts today, Saturday the thirteenth. <clears throat> uh, I'll be pulling for Brooklyn. I'll be putting pulling for the Pacers. Uh. I'll be pulling for Golden State. No, kidding. Not pulling for Golden State. Uh, I'll be pulling for the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Houston Rockets or the Portland Trailblazers to to upset the Warriors. I think one of those three teams I would love to see pull it off because I don't want to see anyone in the East beat the Warriors. It's a very weird situation I, I put myself in, but I don't want to see anyone in the East beat them because I want the Cavs to be the only team that could beat them. Now, I don't really want to see the Warriors continue to win because it's annoying. So I think the Thunder would be the team I want to see beat them because A, there would be revenge against Durant, which is awesome. Oklahoma City is not some like LA, Chicago, New York, Miami mega power uh, that like it would be cool to see a smaller town with a great fan base get the upset and win the finals. I would love it for Russ Westbrook. I would love for Paul George. I'm a big Paul George fan. I like Steven Adams a lot. I'd like that team to do it. I would love for Portland to do it. Portland would be my favorite team to beat them, but I just don't see it happening because, A, the Nurkic injury is going to be huge in the playoffs. Um, But I would love to see Dame do it. I would love to see Cleveland's own C.J. McCollum do it. That would be awesome. But uh, I kind of think they get upset by Oklahoma City in the first round. And Houston, uh, I don't really like Houston all that much, but they were so close to beating them last year. They had the two game, they had the three two lead in the Western Conference Finals, and they blew it. Um, they should have made the finals. So I would like it if uh, James Harden and Chris Paul, you know, brought the team back and and did it this year. I think that'd be really cool. So I'm rooting for one of those three teams to pull it off. And if not, then I guess I'm just gonna have to hope. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets pull off the biggest miracle of all time. So, enough NBA. The actual best playoffs going on right now. 
And this is great because I love April, and I talked about this last week. So many great sporting events that the NBA playoffs is like my seventh favorite thing that happens this month. You know, right now you got the Masters going on. Okay. Masters weekend is great. Get a little nap in tomorrow when I watch the Sunday Masters. And it's already been an electric factory with Tiger Woods yesterday. Got the NBA playoffs is a side piece. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. You don't even need a team. You just get into the Stanley Cup playoffs because just following, just rooting for the home team and underdogs is so awesome. Seeing these crowds go like absolutely berserk for their teams. I I love it. I'm going to be trying to watch as much as I can, even though I don't have cable. So I'll be out and about watching because I love a good hockey environment from my days working at the garden to just learning more about this Columbus Blue Jackets team. Uh, it's, it's really fun to like root for playoff hockey and just the environment and just enjoying it because I've seen my, like, you know, some of my good friends are hockey fans. One of my best friends is a, a diehard caps fan and seeing him in college be so stressed out, I was like, oh my God, this playoffs is intense. Every moment was just intensity, intensity. So that was, I mean, it, it's something to watch out for. And good for him that the Caps won last year because it's a huge monkey off the back. You got to get that one. You know, you just got to get one. Just got to get one. So, but Stanley Cup playoffs, the Masters, non-sporting events such as Game of Thrones coming back tomorrow. I'll get to that later. Avengers coming out in, I think, like like 12 days at this point. Uh, I got tickets on the 25th. That's awesome. NFL Draft later this month is my favorite sporting event of the year. April's a great month. And there's also baseball. Baseball has started up. The Indians are 8-5. and five. Uh, I said it yesterday before their game. They're the worst eight and four team of all time, and then they got blown out by the three win Royals, who are three and ten. Uh, because when their pitchers aren't on, and they give up a couple homers, and the worst thing about the Indians pitchers is you know right from the first inning, and maybe this isn't the worst thing. Maybe it's the best thing. You know right from the get go whether your guy has it or not. Like Corey Kluber might throw seven innings. But you sometimes know in the first inning whether or not he's on his game. Like, you can, we've seen these pitchers Bauer, Carrasco, Bieber, Kluber, and Clevenger. We've seen them pitch so much that you know when those guys are going to throw a gem or when they're going to get yanked early. And Carlos Carrasco was the biggest defender of that last night. Trevor Bauer had that this week. Kluber's had it already this season. Um, and, and it's just one of those things where it's like, if they aren't on their game, we're going to lose because we don't have the lineup to do it. Half of our lineup is under 200, 200, under 200, half the lineup. Now they're out Lindor, they're out Kipnis. Both those guys are going to come back real soon, but they just lost Clevenger for two months who was pitching like an all-star 14 innings of two hit baseball. And he was like one of the strikeout leaders. It's a real shame because I really wanted to see him take the control of being like the next Indian, like big time ace. And they've got still a very strong rotation. Uh, hopefully, you know, they are able to get AAA starts to help them out on day five of this rotation. We're going to find out today with Hefrain, uh 
Rodriguez or Ramirez. I don't even know. I don't even, we're bringing up a guy I don't know. So we'll find out today. But I think uh, it's it's been a rough start. It's a it's. I know they're eight and five, but it's very ugly eight and five, and it's going to be an ugly season. But it'll be a lot of hard work, and we'll see how this does because you know Dolan put his reputation on the line of the enjoy Lindor, and we'll try and sign him. So. Let's try to get to the playoffs and just not get swept like last year. But it's early. Try not to get all hyped up. Speaking of hype, there's been a lot of Browns hype recently. And I want to just address this real quick. The Browns have been so bad for so long. And if you aren't a Browns fan, you sometimes forget this because they're just a forgettable team for a very long time. They've been a very forgettable team. And... Those who know me and those who try to pay attention to the Browns, and I have friends that keep an eye on the Browns, they'll try and say they understand, but you really don't. The team went winless two years ago. Like 14 months ago, they were winless. 13 months ago. They went one win the year before. They had they just fired this past season the worst coach in NFL history statistically and like just vis- like visibly the worst coach of all time and people want the browns fans to temper their expectations now i understand if people are saying browns are going to win the super bowl you can say all right relax why don't you get there first that's fine i totally get with that but if if you're pissed because I think the Browns are going to win 9-10 games, you don't listen to me. I say that every year. It's just now making more sense. I always have faith in the Browns. I always try to look at best-case scenario going into the season. I say, you know what? If Muhammad Masakwai and Brian Rabisky share the routes and share the targets and we protect Charlie Fry or Brady Quinn and we open running lanes for Lee Suggs or William Green, and if our cornerbacks can get, you know, solid play out of Dalen McCutcheon, or the names I'm saying you don't even recognize, but that's what I'm always taking. I'm always taking the positive spin and trying to say that we're going to be the best that we can be, and that's always nine or ten wins. But now all of a sudden, a lot of writers are saying it. Peter King, Dan Graziano, and, and, and you get, like, uh, reporters, writers, you get you get the Nate Burlesons at Good Morning uh, Football. They're, they're coming out of the woodworks because they see that, yeah, the Browns actually do have the best roster in the AFC North because they have the best quarterback in the AFC North. And, 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 and just because Baker Mayfield was a rookie last year doesn't mean he can't be the best in the AFC North. It's going to happen. They're getting better they won seven games last year and spent half the season with the worst coach in nfl history and they didn't start baker mayfield till week four so and 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 they got screwed by the officials multiple times that cost them the game and they got screwed by their kicking multiple times that cost them the game okay like they lost games to tampa and oakland that they should have won if they had just an NFL average kicker. Or if they had refs not screw them 
out of field position in Oakland uh, on that on that first down that all of a sudden decided not to, I'm not going to get into it. But, I mean, this was a team that should have won nine games last year. Why should I not expect them to win nine games this year with a more complete crew that's had a chance to play together for half a season? Now it's finally going to be mixing over the offseason. You're going to say Freddie Kitchen's going to do a worse job than Hugh Jackson? There's a lot of trolls out there. We all know Colin Cowherd's the king troll. And the reason he is is because Browns fans drive up his numbers. He knows it. You know it. We all know it. All right? He talks about the Browns more than he talks about any team in any sport. Period. And it's all because he knows if he does a couple sound clips, pumps it out on Twitter, we freak out. And I'm I'm a criminal of that. I understand. I am I'm the worst offender because I anytime Cowherd Browns comes up on my Twitter feed, I have to watch. Now, some of you are saying don't give him the satisfaction. I want to see him be wrong. I want to see the Browns win ten games and then everyone throw it back in his face. I want all the Browns offenders out there to be because everyone doesn't like us because they're used to us being bad. They're like, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, Coward doesn't like us because Baker Mayfield shut him up on his own show. Okay? The guy had to stick up his butt because Baker Mayfield was running from the cops in a video. About a, you know, no crime at all. He was just being questioned about a party or whatever. Um, But, like, he had to stick up, a butt, uh, up his butt about that. Said he was undraftable. Baker Mayfield came on his show, called him out for that shit. Made him look like a fool. And now he has a vendetta against the Browns. I'm, I'm fine with that. And if it makes your t- show watchable or better or drives up ratings, go for it. More power to you. But expect Browns fans to call your shit out. So that's why we're paying attention to all this. We're paying attention to it because for years and years and years, we've been shit on. And people are still doing it. And we're ready for it to end. Because we believe in this team. So... I don't want to get too into it, but I just want that Browns hype to, you know, to understand where it's coming from. Yes, there's hype, but you know what? We've always been hyped about our team. It's just that people are now paying attention because we have Odell Beckham, and we have Baker Mayfield, and we have Jarvis Landry, and we have Miles Garrett. Okay, I understand people are now paying attention to what Browns fans are saying, but don't say we can't. We came from nowhere. All right, people think this. The Browns fans won this Twitter poll. Sure, you've heard of this. This Fox Sports Twitter poll. Fox, NFL on Fox, it was the Twitter account. And it was, what is the best NFL fan base? And they took all 32 teams and said, Panthers fans versus Jets fans. Who's the better fan base? Broncos fans versus Browns fans. Who's the better fan base? Giants versus, and they went down the line. And they just seeded them based on who has the most Twitter following of the like the team accounts. So like the Cowboys and the Patriots and I think it was the Bears and maybe the Eagles were all the one seeds, right? Because they have the most followers on Twitter. And then it went down the line. And the Browns ended up being a six seed in this, which puts them pretty low considering there's only 32 teams and there were six of, of you know, worst possible eight seed. And they crushed the Texans and Broncos. It was, it was no contest. And before this even started, all Browns fans quote tweeted this with like, hey, Browns fans, do your thing, vote. We already know who's going to win this. 
the cockiness coming out of Browns fans was pretty great because we knew we always do this well. Browns fans are everywhere and people just don't pay attention. They have the largest worldwide fan base in the Browns backers club. And no one just pays attention to us. And I know I've said that like a hundred times on this podcast, but it's true. People pay attention when it's starting, you know, when it's starting to be relevant, but we got Peyton Hillis on the cover of Madden. That was an online vote. Browns fans come out for these online votes. So they rolled through the Broncos. They rolled through the Texans. Those were not surprises at all. Then it came to the Eagles. And I knew this one was going to be tight because I'm like, Eagles fans represent. Okay, they they show up, they show out. But when they saw that they were going to lose to the Browns, and we beat them by like, you know, 55-45 in the percentages, um, you know, people were pissed off because it was like, oh, well, you lost by 20,000 votes. Sorry, but they blamed it on the Giants fans voting against the Eagles, the Cowboys fans voting against the Eagles, and Saints fans voting against the Eagles. It's like, okay, we get it. Nobody likes you, but there were only 10,000 people that actually voted for the Giants, and then they got lost in round one. You think they're going to come back a week later and vote for the Browns because they hate the Eagles? No. They, don't, they didn't care enough to vote for their own team. Why would they go out of their way to go vote against their rival? Like, that's something Browns fans would do. That's not something Giants fans are going to do. Like, they didn't show up for their own team. Why would they show up for the Browns because they're playing the Eagles? I don't know. I thought it was funny. But you know what? At the end of the day, all Browns fans knew, listen, we're here. Okay? And then they beat the Eagles. And then they beat the Bears. Okay, the Bears one was tight, but then our international following came in overnight, and it was like, oh, okay, we're fine again. So that was no question it was going to happen. And Bears fans were were also going to play the same card of like, oh, you know what? We have a lot of haters. We have a lot of Packers fans and Lions fans and, and Vikings fans that hate us. It's like, all right, well, there are people that hate the Browns too. And the Eagles didn't like the Browns after that shit. So they, so maybe we don't like, maybe Eagles fans don't like the Browns anymore. So they beat the Bears, and they go into the finals, and they face the Cinderella story of the Tennessee Titans. Now, Tennessee Titans were accused, and then rightfully shown, that they have been buying Twitter bots to vote for the Titans in this. That's why there was a delay in the finals, is that they were like looking into it, making sure it didn't happen. Turns out, it did happen. There were Twitter bots voting for the Titans, and that's why they were able to make so many upsets, like beating the Cowboys and the Vikings on their and the Saints on their way. The Saints, no. They beat the Bills. They Bills, because I really wanted it to be Browns-Bills in the finals. That would have been a great fan base final. But then the Bills backed the Browns fans, and there was no contest. 70 to 30 in percentage. They wiped them. Beat them by over 100,000 votes. Browns fans represent. And yes, there were going to be teams also voting for the Browns because they didn't want the Titans to win. But that's just how these Twitter votes work. People understood that the Browns are the best fan base in the NFL. So don't tell us we're just showing up now. We've always been here. If you did this Twitter poll the year they went, 0-16, 0-16, or 1-15, right after 1-31, we would have won it then too. Because people always say the words loyalty and respect with Browns fans, because we are loyal. You can get a couple pictures of December football games when it's 7 degrees and nobody's there. But 
what you don't understand is jersey sales don't mean fan. You know, it's the, we still wear Charlie Fry jerseys. We still wear the GV artwork t-shirts, okay? Like the Cleveland t-shirt game is second to none. And the old quarterback jersey game is second to none. And yet people want to do ticket sales and jerseys and new jersey sales as like who has the best fan base. Just because Joe Schmo bought his son a Tom Brady jersey doesn't mean the Patriots have the best fans. Okay? Just relax for a second. And you know what? You're going to see Baker Mayfield jerseys sold and Odell Beckham jerseys sold. Because people are going to be jumping on this Browns bandwagon. That's fine. You can do whatever. I, I like people supporting the Browns. But just realize we've been here. And we're not going anywhere. Not this year. So, uh, Looks like the NFL schedule is going to be coming out this week because there's a bit of a leak. I'm really excited about that because it sounds like the Browns are starting the season Monday Night Football at New York Jets. Now, that's really cool, except I wanted to go to the Jets game. Uh, and I wanted that to be in November when the Jets stink and tickets became very available and it wasn't going to be on a night. But I think you can make this work and uh, really excited because I love watching the Browns and I love seeing them at 0-0 zero and zero, and I have a chance to see them go 1-0. So I think that's really cool uh, because they're never fucking 1-0. <laughs> never. So it would be really awesome to see them finally uh, start the season 1-0 and uh, I could be there for it. Week two, this was the part I was worried about. They're hosting the Ravens, and I was bummed because I had my buddy's wedding the day before, and I always go to the Browns' home opener, uh, and it looks like this one might be difficult to make. But hosting the Ravens' Sunday night football, okay, now might be able to jump on a flight, Sunday morning flight, go out, fly to Cleveland, don't know really the logistics just yet, but might be able to uh, to get this shit done. Might be able to swing a quick Cleveland trip and see the Browns two weeks in a row to start the season, two night games in a row to start the season, get the home opener, get a game in New Jersey. I mean, that's a hell of a September, and it's only the 15th. So that might be it. Later in the season... Thursday night football at Arizona, Sunday night football at New England, and Monday night football hosting the Steelers. These are just rumored games. And then ending the season at Baltimore and then hosting the Bengals. This is a possible that's my that might be how the season goes for the, the Browns. Very exciting stuff. Nothing is confirmed. It's all just a rumor, but OBJ tweeted. And said, hey, Jets, or, or said, like, karma coming week one. And then, like, Devonta, or uh, Jamal Adams tweeted back at him about it. So he's kind of thinking like that. And then considering the fact that it's Monday Night Football and the 50th anniversary of Monday Night Football is this year. And the first Monday Night Football game ever was Browns-Jets. This makes a lot of sense. Okay. And who would Odell have karma against outside of, outside, you know, outside of the Giants? Maybe he's just making like a MetLife thing, so that uh, that could definitely be it. And I uh, I kind of am very excited for him to start the season at MetLife. So 
Really exciting stuff. Cannot wait for uh, the schedule to be confirmed and come out there. And then I can buy tickets like five games this year. I am excited to watch the Browns. Okay. All right. Real quick before we end the podcast. Do a one-minute movie review. Starting for Shazam. Seen a lot of movies recently. Seen a lot of superhero movies recently. Shazam is next. Go. Okay. So, I liked Shazam. I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. Um, It was kind of like... A, a mix between like a kid's movie and wanting to be Deadpool at the same time. Uh, the violence was, was very low bloodshed and all that was very low villain could have been better. Now I love Mark strong, the actor. I think he's great, but they gave him a very cookie cutter role in this one. And then the seven deadly sins gargoyle like thing was very kiddish to me. I think they could have been a lot better with that. However, the acting that was pretty good. The, the, you know, the brother was really annoying. I think he was supposed to be. Uh, I think Zach Levi was, was well, was good. And the ki- he didn't really match the kid play- that was supposed to be him, like the kid version of him. But all in all, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I laughed out loud at parts. They made a couple of like tongue-in-cheek inside jokes at times that were funny. It was the best DC movie I've seen. I, I haven't seen them all, but... This one was good. I liked it. It was fun. Um, was the suit a little stupid? Yeah, but I think it's supposed to be. Uh, and they made fun of that. Made fun of the fact that his name is Shazam. Which, you know, for people that know their comic book lord, he was amid- originally Captain Marvel, but, you know, messing with rights and shit like that with the uh, Marvel Universe and their Captain Marvel, they eventually named him Shazam. Um, it, was, it was fun. I'm not going to go crazy for it. It was like an 80, 81, 82 in my book. If I'm going on the Jake scale, I'm going with a yes. You should see it. Um, yeah, it was fun. It's it, If it was in the Marvel Universe, it would be one of the lower ranked ones. It was below Ant-Man for me and uh, below Doctor Strange and Black Panther and, and all those solo shots. But uh, it was definitely above Thor 2 and Iron Man 2 and 3. I I just thought it was fun. It was funny. It was a good time. Action was okay. But uh, it was entertaining. So it's my one-minute movie review on Shazam, which lasted 2 minutes and 15 seconds. Okay. Um, And shout-out to Lights, Camera, Barstool, uh, Lights, Camera Podcast. Uh, You know, they talked about Shazam yesterday, which sucked because I had seen it last week. So I was like... I'm not copying them, but one thing they did on their podcast I loved was their top five this week was albums. And I realized I've never done my top five albums. So what a perfect time because they just did theirs. And I I was, it made me think about mine. So I'm going to jump right in. A lot of you are going to be thinking Taylor Swift is on my list and it's going to dominate my list. And uh, Coldplay is going to dominate my list because I really like Coldplay too. Not going to happen. I like Coldplay and shout out Ken Jack for going all in with Coldplay, but uh, none of their albums really, you know, speak out in terms of, like, greatness. Uh, Taylor Swift, same thing. I like three or four songs on each album, but none are cracking this top five. Number five for me, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. Uh, guys, like, that That one is, it's almost as good as a lot of people don't even know what their favorite Kanye West album is, and it's pretty kind of funny because there was a run of like three years where he put out, you know, 808s and Heartbreaks, Graduation, and and Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. 
and you know, and I thought graduation was my favorite, but then I looked at like I was like, you know what, that's not because Monster was the first ever rap that I knew like the entire thing for, like a collaboration rap. Um, Runaway is such a phenomenal song, and then Power and All the Lights and Gorgeous, I think, are all great too. So it's just a really great, and I think the the big thing for me too is it came out when I was like a sophomore junior in college, so it's like okay. This is being played a lot. You play it in your dorm a lot. And like this is just like uh, it sticks with you for a while. So I get that. Even though at first I thought graduation was my favorite. But no, it's it's this one. So number four, All the Pain Money Can Buy by Fastball. Uh, probably a lot of you don't even know this album. It's a favorite of mine. It's a family favorite. Big road trip podcast. Starts off with The Way, which is a top ten Jake favorite song. Uh, Fire Escape, Better Than It Was, Sooner or Later, and Out of My Head are all famous songs. Out of My Head famous because Machine Gun Kelly and Camila Cabello did a song where they kind of like ripped a chorus of that and um, uh, Bad Things is the name of the song. So, uh, great album. I, uh, I've been a big fan of Fastball and they don't get a lot of credit. They are an underrated band. They're played on a lot of road trips and uh, brainy family vacations. And to me, it just, it always makes me think of like growing up and, and pretty great times because uh, that was played a lot when I was a kid. Okay, so uh, number three, this is where, th- this top three is, is big. It was it was tough to figure out four and five, so I went with sentimental ones. But number three, Beatles for sale, the Beatles. Now, a lot of people have the Beatles somewhere on this list, right? You know, they, everyone's got a Beatles album. And they've made so much money through the years that you can go through which ones make the most, like Sgt. Pepper, and and which, which are all great in their own mind. But for me, the first side of Beatles for Sale is just hit after hit. You got No Reply, I'm a Loser, Babies in Black, Rock and Roll Music, which is so underrated, done by John Lennon in that one. I'll Follow the Sun, very pretty song. And then Mr. Moonlight, and then Kansas City, Hey, Hey, Hey. It's seven songs for that first track. And, like, I don't even need the side two, which has eight days a week. But, like, those seven songs, for me, just make me think of, like, my childhood. We had all the Beatles CDs, but those are the ones that I remember. And I just... It makes me think of patio like dinners or in the summer we'd be eating burgers off the grill and baked beans and, and fresh corn. And like that's that's why this is favorite. This isn't your top five. Like LCB said this week, like it's your favorites. And and a lot of times nostalgia comes into that, but that whole side is just filled with songs that I love to listen to. Okay. Number two. This this one's an easy one. Yourself or Someone Like You, Matchbox 20. Another one of those early ones. You know, it's a late 90s CD. And I can I can remember, like, the first time hearing this all the way through and just thinking, like, oh, this is... I love that band. And I, and I now love Matchbox 20 because of that album. And the first three songs are Real World, 3 AM, and Long Day. And everyone loves at least two of those songs but you also have push and back to good and damn 
and Girl Like That. It's a really complete album. And if you like Matchbox 20 and that style of, of music, you're going to friggin' love that CD. So, that album. And I've seen Matchbox 20 in concert. I want to see him again because they were so good when I saw him the first time. Uh, I guess in, in summer of like 2017. And uh, I, you know what? They put out a. They, I, I have like 20 songs from Matchbox 20 that I really like. Coincidentally, 20. But that track, awesome. Just really awesome stuff. But my number one, and this was. Uh, this is really like a no contest. Is Born to Run by by Bruce Springsteen. Now, Born to Run, the song, is probably my fifth favorite song on that album. Which is crazy considering it's known as one of the best rock and roll songs of all time. And Thunder Road, which is at, like a lot of Bruce fans fucking love Thunder Road. It's like, oh, love that song. I love it too. But again, that's not even one of my top three favorite songs on the, on the CD. Let's just go through it one by one. Thunder Road is the first song of the of the album. It's only eight songs. But Thunder Road is a classic that everyone loves to sing along with. And if you're a Bruce fan, like it's the highlight of every concert. And when you watch cover bands in bars, you make sure you make it for Thunder Road. 10th Avenue Freeze Out, hell of a fun song. Concert song for sure. Bruce played it at the halftime show of the Super Bowl when he slid crotch first into the cameras. And I know I'm repeating myself from if you guys listen to LCB and what Jeff Lowe said about his pick because he picked them. But I I think I like this album even more than he does. Uh, Night is one of my lesser favorites on this album because it's just filled with other great songs. Backstreets, I think, is the most underrated Bruce song. When it is played by the E Street Shuffle at live at a bar, I'm thinking right back now, and I'm thinking 507 Main. Now, 507 Main is no more, which is a, a real shame because that's when I can remember fucking loving this song. But go to Columns, all right? Columns is still up. They still play at the Columns all the time in the summer. When they play Backstreets and you get like, like the. the Living on the back streets. And it's like, it's very low, low. And then it just erupts right at the end. Like, oh, it's such a phenomenal song. It is one of my top five favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. And I think I just got an idea for next week's pod. But uh, it, it is such a such a great, great song, Backstreets. And that's the, the last song of side one. There are only four songs on this first side. Second side starts with Born to Run. One of the best rock anthems of all time. Not anthem, but one of the best rock and roll songs of all time. Anyone that knows anything about rock and roll and Bruce Springsteen, they're like, oh, Born to Run. Yeah, great song. There's not much to say there. The next song is She's the One. Now, a lot of people don't know this one. It is not played on a lot of Bruce Springsteen anthems unless it's like the... And and unless it, and I'm I'm kind of giving it away here, but it is the perfect wedding song. I've always figured that. Like I know a lot of girls have like dreams of their wedding and stuff like that. I'm like, that's got to be my wedding song because that's such a beautiful, pretty rock and roll song about. It's a love song. It's from one guy talking about how this girl is everything to him, and 
I think it's a beautiful, beautiful message. Number three on that list is Meaning Across the River. It's my dad's favorite Bruce Springsteen song. Definitely an underrated one. Nowhere near my top five or top ten of Bruce Springsteen songs, but a great song in itself. And uh, finally, the last song on Born to Run is Jungle Land. My favorite song of all time. Uh, it's not even close. The next, My next favorite song after that is Stacy's Mom, which is a good couple realms below Jungle Land. First of all, it's cheating. It's a nine and a half minute song. It's practically three songs in one. So I get that it's like kind of like cheating saying that it's your favorite song because you're basically taking a couple songs, but it's got the best solo of any of any song. The saxophone solo in Jungle Land is better than the guitar solo in any it's better than any guitar solo. I mean, I love the guitar solo in Hotel California or, I mean, many that Jimi Hendrix has done in, like, all along the Watchtower or possibly even... But, like, it's it's not... You know what? It's not even worth a discussion. Jungle Land is my favorite song of all time. This is my favorite album of all time. What a great one. So, uh, let me know. What are your favorite top five albums? What are your What's your favorite album? What did I not mention? Did I get the wrong Kanye album? Did I get the wrong Beatles album? Did I not give Purple Rain enough credit? Uh, I, 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 mm, I don't know. Uh, did I not give Bob Dylan enough credit? Or possibly should I have kept on Taylor Swift or Coldplay? So, let me know. What do you guys think? Comment on the comment section. So, all right, before I let you go, we're going to do one last thing. Next next night, tomorrow night, Game of Thrones returns. And next week, we will be starting Game of Thrones recaps each week. There's only six episodes this year. It's the final season of Game of Thrones. It's been a very long wait to get to this point, but I am very happy that we're finally here. I am so excited to for it to return, and for everything to complete itself. Uh, season 7, I felt like I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I felt like there was a little bit too much fanfare and pandering, and I've made that point clear. Uh, I just feel like they, the moment the books ended and they started going off book, they started doing things for the fans. They should have killed off more people last year, and instead they're going to have to rush through kills and deaths this year. I, I, I'm just kind of uh, bummed about that. And uh, I felt like everyone got a little safe last year. Okay, Jon Snow makes a couple bonehead decisions after he gets revived from the dead, yet somehow keeps on living and keeps on making these big-ass mistakes with you know, battling Ramsey Bolton and going beyond the wall. And, and I feel like he should have died. <laughs> I feel like he, you, know, you don't live when you make such bad decisions in Game of Thrones. Jamie Lannister charges a dragon and lives. You know, like, these things just, you know, I, I felt like everyone got a little safe. Felt like everybody snuck out the back door. So, anyway, that's my only complaint you'll hear about Game of Thrones because everything else is literally perfect about the show. And I am excited for it to get back, which means this week I'm do debuting my first ever Night's Watch Party segment on the podcast. Now... My predictions are all over the place. Everyone's got predictions. And everybody's got what they think is going to happen. Now, I think 
Danny is going to end up on the throne. It's just, it makes the most sense to me. I don't think John wants the throne. You know, a lot of people want John to have the throne. I don't think he wants it. I think he wants to be in the North. And I think he wants to protect those that he loves. Uh, I feel like this Danny love is rushed. So I really don't want that to happen. So I don't know what my prediction is. I'm just going to say what I want to happen. Because Game of Thrones, in the end, will do a very good finale. And I think I have a very good finale in my mind. I think John. I'll start out a little slower. Like Jorah's gonna die for Danny. Okay. Um, a lot of people want to die for Danny. I mean, a lot of people fucking love her. But Dario is out of the show. Jorah will want to die for her. He's committed to doing that. They should have had him die when she went beyond the wall last year. Like taking, like maybe the Night King tried to throw an arrow at her or something, and Jorah jumps in front of it. That would have been a good death for him. Uh, instead, he's going to die unceremoniously this year. Uh, I think Davos is also going to die. He, you know, to be honest, he just doesn't really offer too much. I love Davos. I think both Davos and Jorah are such like great like wingmen to the show, and they're great actors. But they're both going to die protecting in this in 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 my world. You know, um, I think Cersei will be killed, and. I think I really want it to be Arya. And I kind of think Cersei's just going to poison herself. Maybe Arya poisons her uh, with Jamie's face. Th that was another thing I was thinking of because I don't think, I think Jamie will die fighting. Uh, I hope, my hope is that Cersei kills herself and Jamie goes to save her, poisons her, and she dies in his hands. And the prophecy is right, is that she is going to die with her brother's hands around her throat. I think that'd be crazy if she kills herself, though, in that. I think that'd be wild. Um, and then, of course, I want Danny to eventually take the Iron Throne. And I want John to die, making sure that would happen. Protecting the North. And possibly Sansa sitting as the, uh, as, like, the Queen of the North... And as an understanding that, hey, the North need a Northern leader. And Danny just respects the shit out of the Stark family. So, that's my only predictions. Everything else, I just want to come and, and have it just happen. Because I don't want to set myself up too big, you know, and so that it falls flat. So, I'm just going to hopefully really enjoy this season. Alright. And my last segment, you know, sticking with Night's Watch Party. Kyle Brandt, I got a bone to pick with you. You did a great segment comparing Game of Thrones characters to what they are in the NFL for people that don't know. But you made a big mistake. You said Pat Mahomes is the Jon Snow of the NFL. And while I really like Pat Mahomes, and I like that comparison, it's not the right comparison. Baker Mayfield didn't get a scholarship, but he started in the Big 12 and tr and at Texas Tech without a scholarship, and transferred to o Oklahoma. That's basically saying he's Ned son, Ned Stark's bastard son. Right? He has this royal family, but he's not really a Stark. He doesn't have that Stark scholarship on him. And while everyone there 
loves him and appreciates him, except for Catelyn, but you know, regardless. Everyone loves him and appreciates him and treats him like a family member. He's still not really technically part of the family, and everybody sees that he doesn't have a scholarship, even though he's a starting quarterback. Okay? Something to consider. All right? So then Baker Mayfield sits out a year because he wants to transfer to Oklahoma and get his scholarship. Basically, volunteering to go to the wall and be Lord Commander Mormon's ward. He wasn't even fighting when he went to the wall. He had to sit out. He took his licks and and basically learned from the great coach that Lord Commander Mormon was. And he eventually got Longclaw, his sword, which is basically one of the best starting positions in college football. Quarterback at Oklahoma. Now, starts doing great things. The Night's Watch starts appreciating Jon Snow. And the world starts appreciating Baker Mayfield as a very good college quarterback. But Baker Mayfield runs from the cops video. And plants a flag at midfield. And holds his balls looking at the Kansas sideline. You know, he ruffled some feathers. Kind of like... When Jon Snow went up beyond the wall and tried to unite the wildlings with the Night's Watch. It was a very, very contentious moment. And a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people in the north didn't like it at the wall. They didn't like it. And a lot of people at Oklahoma didn't like it. And in the NFL, they didn't like what Baker Mayfield was doing. But Baker Mayfield and Jon Snow... They were much more than this. Okay. The media, though, they killed Baker Mayfield. And you know what? The Black, the Night's Watch, they killed Jon Snow, too. It was just too much for both the media being all stuck up and not being able to handle this kid that you know was doing these kid things. And the Night's Watch knew you couldn't mess with with the way we had things, with the old way and everything we have and we love. Now, but these guys wanted change and they were special, but some old farts weren't willing to see that. But then, Baker Mayfield got drafted first overall by the Cleveland Browns. And Jon Snow returned from the dead. Begs the question, is John Dorsey the Lord of the Light? That's for another podcast, but I think it's a good argument. He got taken first overall after so many people were shitting on him. Jon Snow rose from the dead. They killed him, and he's alive now. Baker Mayfield goes on Colin Cowherd's show, The Herd, and buries Colin Cowherd. Absolutely buries him. Calls him out for all the shit he says. Says, I'm not all about me. What do I do? I run over to the fan section. Why wasn't I celebrating with my, my, my teammates? I celebrated them with on the sideline. I went to the fan section to cheer on the fans that came from Oklahoma and went to Ohio. I went to the band to pump up the band. Baker Mayfield's a leader, and he was leading. And he showed the off on Colin Cowherd's show, basically calling him out and creating an enemy for life. And defending himself just like any Browns fan would want their leader to do. Okay. 
And how does Jon Snow avenge his death? He goes and he kills Sir Alistair Thorne. He kills him just like Baker killed Colin Cowherd. In front of everybody, embarrassing him and Ollie and all the other traitors that killed him. He said, you know what? You tried and kill me. But the Lord of Light said, we're not fucking done with Jon Snow. A witch that's never brought anyone back to life before brought me back to life because I'm I'm special. I'm the king. Okay. Now, Jon Snow, he then goes around and asks for help in the north. He receives very little. He knows we have to fight Ramsay Bolton. We have to kill Ramsay Bolton. But he occupies Winterfell. He has my brother. He was awful to my sister. But not a lot of people in the north were supporting him. And Baker Mayfield didn't have the support of his own head coach. Hugh Jackson sat him and started Tyrod Taylor. And Baker Mayfield knew, I have an upfield battle. I'm going to have to be the great Cleveland quarterback. And I'm going to have to take down some people to even get on the field. Okay? So they both had to face adversity. And how did Baker Mayfield do that? He won the starting job on the field versus the Jets. Without even starting, down 14-0. It was nearly halftime. He led them down to a field goal right before half and said, How do I inspire? This is a Thursday night football game. The Browns have lost forever in a row. Haven't won since Christmas of 2016. And it is now September of 2018. And we're down. And we're losing. And the season's going to be kaput if we don't win this. And what does Jon Snow do? He defeats Ramsey Bolton in the Battle of the Bastards. Down in men. On his own turf, but he's been away. He's not used to this own turf, just like Baker Mayfield wasn't used to playing in Cleveland because basically he hasn't had the chance. But he defeats him anyway. And Baker Mayfield gets Hugh Jackson fired. He says, and he doesn't get, well, I'll be nice here. He doesn't make him get fired, but he shows that Baker Mayfield is the guy. And he is our leader. And he is our king. And Jon Snow, he says, you know what? Yeah. Sansa, you get to kill Ramsay. Just like Baker said, hey, Dorsey. You get to kill Hugh Jackson. <laughs> so he sicks the dogs on him. Dogs, too. Come on. Browns, dogs, Kyle. You got to be kidding me. Ugh. Come on. It was right there in front of you. She sicks the dogs on Ramsey like Dorsey let the dogs out on Hugh Jackson. So then Baker Mayfield starts winning games and shows that he is the franchise quarterback that the Browns fans have been waiting for. Just like we see that Jon Snow is not a bastard, but he is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. He is the son of Rhaegar Targaryen. And he is the 2019 AFC North champion. And the king in the north, Baker Mayfield, Jon Snow, it's the comparison. Come on, it's right there. So, if Baker Mayfield wins the AFC North, I want you, Kyle Brandt, 
to say that he's the Jon Snow of the NFL. Now, I agree. We're a little ahead in Game of Thrones of where we are as to Baker Mayfield's career, but I think you can see it happening. Will Jon Snow sit on the Iron Throne? Will Baker Mayfield win a, the Browns a Super Bowl? I think we're going to find out this 2019 NFL season and this season eight of Game of Thrones and season three of the Jake podcast starting next week. Thank you all for listening. I hope you tune in. Season three is going to have new music, new segments, new guests, big things coming to the podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.